and welcome to episode 44 of Owen the Saints. I'm Patrick Service. We have the two Jacks with us this afternoon, Jack Service and Jack Mainstone, non-family members first. So Mainstone, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Yes, very good, thanks. And Jack, how are you? Not bad, thanks, lads. How are you both? Yes, all good, all good, thank you. Slightly different podcast this week. We had been expected to discuss our FA Cup third round tie against Shrewsbury, but that was postponed due to a COVID outbreak in the Shrews camp. No no word yet on when or if that game will be played. The latest I read in The Guardian on Friday said Shrewsbury may have to forfeit, handing us a place in the fourth round. Uh, the FA's professional game board will meet early next week to decide whether that game can be rescheduled. Uh, but the FA stressed in a letter to clubs last week that matches must go ahead if both teams had 14 fit registered players available and that a club would have to postpone a fixture and that, that would mean that they were likely to award the tie to their opponent. So we shall see what happens. There is a very narrow window to fit the game in uh, before the fourth round, which takes place on January 23rd. We actually played Leeds in the Premier League on Wednesday, January the 20th. So there doesn't seem like much of an opportunity to get that Shrewsbury game played. Anyway, that is into the future. For now, it gives us an opportunity to step away from match action a little bit and discuss something more evergreen. You may have listened to our episode a couple of months back, episode 34, when we built our best Saints eleven from the Pochettino, Komen and Hasenhutl eras. That was a popular episode and we're going on a similar vibe here, discussing our favourite Southampton away dates. First of all, Jack, I'll come to you. Obviously, we haven't been to an away, to an away game since the pandemic. Saints' last away game was a 3-1 loss to West Ham. Don't get me wrong, love going to St Mary's, but there is something very special about going to an away game. 3,000 Saints fans as a community. And obviously, when you get that win, that train journey back, that car ride back, nothing better. I wanted to start with a quick tweet that was sent to us by Ray. We put out um, a message just asking for for your favourite part of an away day experience. And he responded, I thought it summed it up quite nicely, from the full English before getting on the train, then a few beers, then the game, then a few more beers, train home, kebab, win or lose, a great day out. Now, Jack, what are your thoughts on away day? Agree with Ray? Ray has summed up my thoughts exactly, exactly to a T. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving watching Southampton at the moment. It's brilliant. We're playing well, but you can't replicate the feeling of going to a new city and watching Southampton play away. The journey, like you said, whether it's drive, train, tube, spotting another away fan, um, you know, going to the local pub for the early kickoff. At that point, you're sat there having a few beers and anything can happen when you're in that <laughs> pub. And the moment when you pass through the turnstiles, I can just remember the feeling of the, the adrenaline goes up a few levels when you pass through those turnstiles. The away end, as, as you said, as much as I love going to St Mary's, you cannot match that sense of unity and collective spirit in that way and, and there's always entertainment isn't there always something funny happens when you go to watch Southampton away and then yeah walking away from the ground with a voice like Sean Dyche discussing what happened no matter what the result you just you're still you know if you've lost if you've got the win you've got the draw something there's ridiculous highs and lows and yeah I can't wait to get back watching Southampton on the road Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it seems, unfortunately, still seems quite far away from getting back into the stadiums. But Mainstone, for you, what do you, what do you miss about going on those away trips and what are you looking forward to um, when eventually we do return? 
Um, well, it's hard to top Jack and Ray there, to be fair. I'm getting a bit emotional, like reminiscing of old away games. Um, but it's just, it's just that, isn't it? It's the whole day out. It's the the beers on the train or the coach um, getting up there. The, the atmosphere in the away end, you just can't top it, even though we all live going to St Mary's. But there's just something about that day out. And it doesn't, most of the time, it doesn't really matter too much about the result because every day out you have is normally an absolutely top class day. Um, few beers, watching the Saints play with mates. Yeah, it's all good. Miss it like crazy. <laughs> so we've come into this discussion um, with some of our our favourite memories of away games. Before we get to to those kind of personal experiences, I just wanted to throw it out there. Jack, I'll come to you first. Some some memorable Saints away games for you that. Not necessarily ones that you went to, but just some one, just some away games that really stand out to you. Um, I'd say the Liverpool game in the in the League Cup. I think it was in 2017. Um, we beat them one 0 in the home leg, and we went away. Real backs to the wall game. Fraser Forster pulling off some brilliant saves, and then Josh Sims on that breakaway, passing in Shane Long and. He doesn't normally bury them, but he did bury it fast. Lewis Carris and the, the scenes in that away and the limbs in that away. And unfortunately, I wasn't there, as I said, but that looked like it was peak life as a Southampton fan to be there. So definitely one that I wish I was at. Sure. I wasn't. At, so we, we put the question out on Twitter as well. I wasn't at this one, but um, Dan Bailey said Ipswich 2, Southampton 5. Um, his message is saying early on in the season but I started to believe we may have a chance of promotion after that game sensational mm. performance from start to finish and that Morgan Schneiderlin through ball that I feel the same as Dan there just looking back that was like what second, third, fourth game of the season um, in the championship and I wasn't there but I can only imagine the scenes in the away end as we stuck five away Mainstone for you any games that ones you might not have been there but ones that stand out for you um, I'd say one of the ones um, that it kind of the same essence as um, the Ipswich away game, really. It was our first game back in the Premier League, that Super Sunday clash against defending champions Man City. Um, remember, there was so much talk about it before, um, like could Lambert score in the Premier League? Are, are we good enough to stay up? Didn't make that many additions. And then Lambert started on the bench. Um, he came on, <clears throat> scored almost like imminently and that was it like we were off um, I just remember absolutely limbs in the away end um, and then Davies put us 2-1 up and then they um, eventually caught, fought back didn't they and uh, won it in the mm-hmm. 80th minutes like Sammy Nasri was quite late on wasn't it it was late yeah. I do remember it being late on that um, was um, James Will Prowse started that game didn't he it was a bit of a mm. shock um, to yeah. see him handed his first start oh, I'm not sure if it was first start but um, to see him in the lineup anyway was a bit of a surprise yeah, just bouncing off Yaya Torre because he was so <laughs> small and young, wasn't he? Um, but that was just a feeling of that we can compete at this level. Um, kind of like the Ipswich one is that gave us belief as we, we're we a really good championship team. And this kind of said, right, we've just given the champions a good run for their money. It's just reminded me actually to plug our Richard Chaplow um, podcast episode. We spoke to him one of our first episodes and he mentioned that Man City game um, because it was actually his place that James Will Prowse took in the starting 11. And he wasn't he was disappointed, wasn't he? He wasn't particularly <laughs> happy with Nigel Adkins, um, having played such a key role in the championship season to then get to the Premier League, first game of the season, drop to the bench and, and Will Prowse coming in. Um, would recommend you guys going back, if you haven't listened to our Chappers episode, he was an absolute gent. Some great stories there. It was about an hour, hour and a half chat with him through, through League One, through to the Premier League and what he's up to now in America. 
back on the subject here though. Jack, any other games that you wanted to highlight? Any games that maybe you went to that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, 17th of March, 2012, we went away to Millwall, went mm-hmm. to the Den. Mm. I went with a couple of mates, Ollie and Adam. And uh, yeah, just looking back at that season, the team that we had, everyone knows that team, but it was with Ricky, Gooley, Lalana, Hammond, players like that, Fonte at the back, Kelvin Davis, such a likeable team. We we went 1-0 up. It was a brilliant run on the left-hand side from Morgan Schneider and he squared it to Lambert, putting us, put us 1-0 up. They did spin the game and they went 2-1 up. And I don't know if you guys have been to the Den before, but it's a proper old-school stadium where you feel like when you're losing, the fans, the home fans are on top of you. And it's so intense. It's so intense. But um, Billy Sharp came on, I think, in the last 15, 20 minutes. We got to the last five, still 2-1 down. And somehow we've we've nabbed two penalties. <laughs> two penalties. First one was Stonewall. But if you look at the second one, if anyone's listening to this, you look at the second one back on YouTube, it looks like a handball from a Saints player and the referee's pointed to the spot. So I think the days of VAR, that's not given, but thankfully it wasn't around and Ricky slotted it. And it was just pure aggression, I remember, coming from the Millwall fans at that I was going to say, did the referee make it out of the den alive? <laughs> is, I'm not sure. That is brave refereeing giving two late penalties <laughs> to an away team at the den. I, know, I, um, I, I watched this game, the highlights of this game earlier, because this was going to be one of my ones. And something that really stuck out for me then is the, the Millwall player that apparently handballed it to give the second um, <clears throat> penalty away was actually Harry Kane. Was it? Was yeah. It? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, wow that's, that's a, that that's a great little stat. That is quality. But yeah, I was I was reading around it and at that point Reading had won nine out of their last ten. They were flying. Southampton, this is our fifth win in seven. Ricky Lambert had just won Football League Player of the Year, and that was his fourth hat trick of the season in March. <laughs> just just I think you do forget easily how how brilliant the football we were watching was at that point and how good Ricky Lambert was at that point fourth hat-trick in March but yeah definitely up there is one of my favourite away games what about you Pat? For me I mean actually this this I've got a few to to, um, to go through but this one's just popped into into my head Reading at the Majeski 2012 wow. season obviously we don't want to talk about the home game but we can talk about the away game one all I think it was Mikhail Ledgetwood that put them 1-0 up Dean Hammond then captain Captain Hammond got sent off and Steve Derrida popped up with a wow. late goal. I want to say like 85th minute. And this, honestly, I've not been in a, an away end like that. When that goal went in, and we, Jack, you were there with me and Porik, yeah. our uncle. Porik went flying about three rows down, <laughs> down the stand. And we were like, the, we finally regained our composure and we're going back to kick off. And I'm like, where's, where's Porik? And he's like three rows down, just sent absolutely flying by that. By that, um, by that Derrida goal. Great goal, by the way, as well. One, one that we, again, we spoke to Derrida about that. Go back and watch it if you haven't seen it for a while because it's a fantastic goal. Another story from that game, actually, Jack, you probably remember this, but we, Porik lives near Reading. A bit of local knowledge. He was like, I know, we'll, we'll park in the Costco. Um, we'll be smart. Like, we, won't get, we won't park in one of the away parking places or, or get or get stung for for like 20 quid to park for the game I know we can park in Costco that's just around the corner from the stadium we went there I think the game was a 7.45 kickoff got there about five parked all looked fine came back after the game absolutely buzzing the barriers down we locked in <laughs> we locked in a Costco we locked in a Costco car park he was absolutely livid we had to go to the Holiday Inn hotel 
and sit there for an hour while Porik plucked up the courage to, to ring his wife, Colleen, to come and pick us up at 11.30 <laughs> at night from the Holiday Inn Hotel. Um, those, are the, those are the memories of away games that stick with me for sure. It was a good. It was a good thing that Derrida got the equaliser because that would have been a real low point in everyone's <laughs> life if we've just yeah. just come off a one 0 defeat and we're stuck in Costco. So at least we had something. That was that was one for me. That was one for me for sure. Um, I'd throw that one out there. And also the West Ham game, same season. I think Valentine's Day, um, twenty twelve, going to Upton Park. They were obviously up there contending, um, as we were for promotion. And Mark Noble, penalty, putting them ahead. Matty Taylor, former Pompey boy, getting absolute pelters before the game when he stepped off the bus from a few Saints fans that were walking around Upton Park. I remember that. Um, some things that I won't mention on this podcast. Um, but then Jos Hoyveld, who else against West Ham? Tuesday night. Against, Tuesday night. Always popped out on a ch- Tuesday night against West Ham. Billy Sharp was kind of one of his first games after we signed him in the January window. This was February. Um, missed a big chance. Obviously, he would go on to score double figures, I think, in the final months of the season and, and fire us, help fire us promotion. But that game was our kind of first look at him and he missed a big opportunity, Rob Green denying him. But that game, there was something about Upton Park. I don't know if either of you two have been to the London Stadium, but there was something really, really magical about going to Upton Park on a on a midweek game under the floodlights, East London. It was just, It was just a great, great atmosphere. Yeah, completely agree. I went there a couple of times and it was one of the best away games that you can go to, isn't it? Especially especially at night, the atmosphere, similar to Millwall, you just feel like it's it's a proper old stadium and you feel like you're right on top of the action. It is a shame they, moved, but they went to the, the new stadium because I went there at the start of 2020 when we lost 3-1, I think, and it's just not the same. You feel like you need binoculars from from the end of the, from the away end. But yeah, what about yourself, Mainstone, then second, second game that you'll pick out? Um, I'm going to, there was a late change to this, but it's, I'm going to do it for sentimental reasons. And it was the last away game I went to. Um, Southampton's, I think, I believe it was the first game in the new Tottenham stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we had played there yet. Um, we ended up losing the game three, two, um, but we played really, really well. Um, and being the FA cup, we had, uh, more away fans in the stadium as well. And we were absolutely rocking that night for it was Wednesday night Tuesday or Wednesday night Um, and it was just it was just class reason why you love away games it was a couple beers after work on the train straight away straight to the new stadium Um, and to be fair it's a a ridiculously nice stadium Um, and to put in a performance like we did and probably should have won it um, but it was just a great night all round really yeah I was also at that game and one of the one of the best things about going to away grounds is celebrating a goal and that moment when the ball hits the back of the net uh, just the release in the away end. And I think that game had the perfect goal, which was the counter-attack from Redmond, where you can just hear the crowd slightly go up a few <laughs> decibels every player that he goes past. And you skip past a few in midfield, pass it to Danny Ings, and I think he's against their young their young fullback Tangai um, Nganga, and he just cuts inside, typical Danny Ings from the left-hand side, and you think, if he slots this, bottom corner, and just that release of emotion, you just cannot be replicated wherever you go in the world. Absolutely, Jack. I was. I think you wanted to mention as well uh, Leicester game at the King Power. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a, there's, a, there's been a few, hasn't there? But there's I'm been a few. I'm I'm going back to 2019. Um, this is uh, we we won two one, but it's not the redemption from the nine nil. It's the season before. Yeah. Ralph hadn't long been appointed. We obviously had the Cardiff game 
we beat Arsenal, we beat Huddersfield and we had two disappointed defeats to West Ham and Man City and we went away to Leicester and me, you and Tom, didn't we, Pat? We, um, we got the train. train up, got the train from London, went into the Loaded Dog in Leicester, which I think was a recommendation from, from your mate who went to university there, watched the early kickoff, sinking a few points and like I said at the start, at that point, it's just, is anything can happen? That's how I describe it. It's just, the possibilities are endless when you're sat in that pub. You can, you can lose 4-0 or win 5-0 in your head. Um, but yeah, we got a penalty early doors. James Ward-Prowse scored. And then Valerie got sent off in the stroke of half-time and you think he's he's ruined this game for us. We're obviously going to lose yeah. this now. And just before half-time, Shane Long gets put through. <laughs> gets put through and you think, surely he can't score. And I think, I think from watching it back, he actually puts it wide, but it takes a bit of a deflection and goes in the bottom corner. <laughs> 100%. Which does sum up Shane Long. We do love him, but that does sum him up that his shot was going wide and got flicked in. But for me, that was one of the best away games because it was the start of Hassan Hootel's tenure. And we there'd been a big disconnect between the fans and the and the team for quite a long time. And him walking over to the away end um, after we got the win, taking his cap off, giving it the big and, and the fans just absolutely loving it. It felt like the start of a new era that we hadn't had in quite a few seasons. So yes, live long in the memory. It really did. Um, that game was, I mean, we've had another tweet through from from uh, Ben Elshaw who said, similar to you really, um, long scores to make it two with a shot that was going wide before Leicester get one back. An incredible back to performance in the second half with Bednarak making a block he had no right to make. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. that block was incredible. And it was a bit of a back to performance. One of the things I'd say I remember from that game is, uh, and one of the things that's great about going to an away game is that half time when you you go down, you rush down for a beer at half time, and the atmosphere in that little Saints away and at the King Power was just like, can we do it? Like we're, we're two 0 up, ten men, everybody's <laughs> asking the same question, and everyone's like, look at like nobody like some, you know you know other people when you get friendly with familiar faces, but you're just asking strangers. You're like, can we hang on? Can we do it? Can we do it? <laughs> And everybody's just like, the the feeling is just so great to be in that position. Obviously, if we'd gone on to lose the game 3-2, you'd be devastated at full time. But the fact that we went on to hold on in that game, it just gives me those, those amazing memories to look back on at half time and that camaraderie and a feeling of community amongst 3,000 Saints fans that have made the journey. And you found, and you found your... Um... Your keys, didn't you? And the limbs from the Shane Long goal, your keys came flying out your pocket somewhere and you found them. Someone, that is an someone, away day. <laughs> someone found them, yeah, like further down the road. I get, you know, when a goal goes in, it's either your uncle goes flying or your keys go flying. Something's going to go flying. Um, so, yeah, it was the house keys on that occasion, but managed to get them back. Um, but, yeah, uh, Maystone, any any other ones? Any, a third one from you? Um, I'm going to... I was going to put a little mention to the redemption game, um, <clears throat> the two-one against Leicester, just because, um, as we've said on pretty much every podcast since since we've started, the nine-nil just keeps getting mentioned and mentioned and mentioned. And with all the games being on TV at the moment, with the pandemic going on, all the commentators keep saying it. But to actually go away that same season um, and to turn them over two-one um, against a very good Leicester side in that year um, was a fantastic result. Um, I think we absolutely battered them that day as well. Like the stats behind the game was ridiculous. I think it was a proper, proper, in a season where we were very good away from home, that was probably one of our best away performances. Yeah, I remember Ings hitting the crossbar quite a few times in that game and mm-hmm. thinking, are we going to rue those chances? But yeah, that was yeah. 
Sounds and they had special. a goal disallowed at the end, didn't they? I think for offside, they they nearly made it two two, like mm. right towards the end. Because I was kind of, I was in America at that point, and I was following it on Twitter basically. And it's one of those ones where it, it, your heart just sinks. I don't know who it was, whether it was Simon Peach or something, just tweeting two two, and you're <laughs> like, oh, for, but it was disallowed for offside. So yeah, that was yeah, great result, great result. Was, but uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go all the way back to 2007. Okay, for my last one. Um, and we're going to pay homage to Marek Saganowski and his hat-trick in a 6-0 away win at Wolves. Love that. What a performance that was. Yeah. yeah. Good to have yeah, one from, from that era um, because, like, me and Jack were discussing it the other day. It's not, not quite a dead era, like, but one that doesn't get mentioned very often, does it, as far as, like, Saints fans. Don't, we don't really talk about that. I mean, every, all conversations kind of start with... Adkins really or Pardew and the JPT mm. and those couple of years before that there were some great there were some great games the the promotion the playoff season in the championship was a great season um that 6-0 away at Molyneux as well I mean that doesn't is, get better than that does it it doesn't yeah, the Saints no Twitter account brings that out I think whenever we play Wolves which is very <laughs> enjoyable um what was I going to say the other thing I just wanted to mention actually you guys made me made me think of one of the things that I miss and, and the Leicester away game, Jack, that you mentioned, the Shane Long goal, um, kind of triggered it in my mind, is the Saturday three o'clock games, like, mm. regardless of whether they're home or away. The one thing about the pandemic has, uh, is that every game is on TV. And what that means is you don't really have that kind of three o'clock fixture list time, if you know what I mean, where there's like three, four, five, six Premier League games going on at the same time. And I missed that for sure because, like, when you're at an away game and you are in at halftime, whatever, before the game, and you're 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 looking at results coming in from elsewhere. One of the things now about about football is that every game really has its own time slot. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're desperately trying to get on three G in the stadium to see what the results are around <laughs> you, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, another one for me was the Chelsea away game, Nigel Atkins' last game. Um, sad for that reason, but what a great performance! Two 0 down. Luke, I just remember being at being at Stamford Bridge. Luke Shaw surging run down the left to set up that goal for punching. Just an overall, like, just such a memorable moment. And we've had some great moments at Stamford Bridge. Pella springs to mind. Pella and Mane like running riot at the bridge. That's another one. I wasn't at that game, but we've had some great, great games there. Yeah, that was a an amazing result, wasn't it? And it was it was a strange time to sack Adkins because I think he he'd got a win before that maybe and a draw there, and it seemed like we were turning a corner a bit. But yeah, I remember that punch and strike was unbelievable, wasn't it? Ricky Lambert didn't start that game if I remember correctly. Right? Yeah, we I can't remember who it was, but we did start quite a random partnership up front. Um, yeah. I'll go back and have a look who that was because it was it wasn't it wasn't Lambert. Um, <clears throat> Quite a few of our games have been London games, to be fair, away games. There's, Chelsea's a decent one. Fulham is one that often gets mentioned as far as like a great away day. Outside of London, Jack, I think you went to a Forest game. Forest in the Championship, yeah. That was, got the train up with a couple of mates and we won 3-0. It was a brilliant game. They had a man sent off. Schneiderlin scored a screamer. I think David Connolly and Gooley scored. And that's a, a brilliant day out. Nottingham with the stadiums right across the River Trent from each other. But... One more that I just wanted to get in there was in the same, well, the season after we got promoted to the Premier League. So it is, it was dubbed El Sakiko, if I remember correctly. It was Nigel Adkins versus Mark Hughes. 
It's in November 2012. And I was having a look at the, um, the league table at that point, which is quite interesting. After 12 games, QPR were on four points and we were on five points. That's a pretty awful start, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So no wonder it was being dubbed that by the papers. But I remember going there. We had restricted view seats, which I don't know if you've been to Loftus Road, but I don't know how they're getting away with selling those seats. You can see <laughs> half of half <laughs> of the pitch. You can see, literally see half of the pitch. But luckily we moved across um, when the stewards weren't looking. But yeah, it was an amazing game. Lambert scored, Punchman scored from the right-hand side, a brilliant goal cutting in. Um, they, it was an own goal from Anton Ferdinand in the, in the second half. But yeah, we won 3-1. And that was only our second win in the season after we beat Villa 4-1. And we went on in the next game and we beat Newcastle. So it was, a, it was quite a big turning point for us then and helped us push on in what was quite a tough season. A little mini resurgence in an yeah. otherwise difficult season before Pochettino came in. Um, Mainstone, did you have anything before we wrap up the away day chat? Um, the, the, just going talking about the longer um, longer field away games I remember um, <clears throat> it was good for memories but the game we actually was terrible um, you'll probably remember it but I remember getting up at two o'clock in the morning with a few mates and driving to Sunderland <laughs> for a 12 o'clock kickoff oh, wow. to, for a place in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup in 2014 <laughs> and I just remember we got there we got to we stayed in Newcastle and had a night out in Newcastle after and um, we just about got to our hotel where we were staying before we had to basically turn around and go straight back out to uh, Sunderland to the stadium and the teams were just announced as we were leaving I think Pochettino made six changes and like it, it was a good chance for us to get into the FA Cup but with how we were playing that season it could have been one of those years where we could have found ourselves going quite far into the competition and just to see him make six changes it was just so gutting obviously I was so tired few beers down already three, and then up in the gods at Sunderland and we lost one nil. and I remember um, Lambert for all the goals he did score he missed an absolute sitter with about five or ten minutes to go I think um, oh, really? yeah great memories great memories but oh the efforts that you go to eh? <laughs> it does that, that reminds me of what the cup games are always a risk aren't they I went to Sheffield United away in the cup under Koeman and again I think it's the quarter final we had such a brilliant chance to beat them and they were in the championship or league one at the time I think Mayuka started. <laughs> I think Mayuka might have started in that game. And I'm looking at the team sheet, I'm thinking, oh my God, is he joking? Um, and yeah, we lost 1-0. Similar to that, you, go, you, make, you put all that effort in and see that team sheet is pretty gutting. We had a cracking night out though afterwards. I mean, it was blinding. <laughs> That's the best thing about it. <laughs> I'm sure. I never had a night out in Newcastle, but everyone that, that has says it's, uh, says it's one of the best. I don't think we can, we can stop the away day chat without mentioning the Pompey result of mm-hmm. last season Pat I yeah. we weren't there we, were, we weren't there but just looking at the recent results between Southampton and Portsmouth drew the previous two before that and lost the two previous to that so we were well overdue a win and to go there which was a huge midweek game yep. fa- packed Fratton Park and to put four past them that was special yeah because we weren't going we weren't going well at that point in the league um, I remember that and we didn't end up getting a ticket, unfortunately. But Jack, me, you, Tom and Dad watched it, didn't we, in a bar in London near where I lived in Elephant and Castle. And it was us. The bar was empty, pretty much, us. And then, do you remember there was one other table of, of two Pompey fans? Loved it. it. Loved there. every minute. Loved every single minute. When that, Obviously, for the first 15 or 20, they... They were they yeah. were building they were getting into it they were building themselves up had a few chances started brightly started brightly exactly 
And then the first goal went in. And then from that point onwards, it was just, it was very, very enjoyable to be watching that game with a couple of Pompey fans close by. <laughs> um, Definitely. But that was fantastic chat, lads. Really, really enjoyed that, reminiscing about some of some of the away trips. Hopefully we get back, well, I'm in, I'm in the States, so it's going to be a struggle for me. But when I do get back, I'd love to go to a game at St. Mary's. I'd love even more to go on another away trip. But hopefully when fans start returning, you boys can get get to a couple of games. Um, Mainstone, we didn't actually chat to you after the Liverpool game. So I just wanted, before we go, to get your thoughts on what what are we now? A few days removed from, from that. No game this weekend. We've got Leicester away, actually, up next. What did you make of the performance, first of all, against Liverpool? And how do you think that sets us up for, for Leicester away and, and the next few games? Because we've got, some, we've got some tough games coming up. Leeds away as well, Arsenal at home. I think um, kind of put away the fact it was Liverpool. It was so important for us to get three points then, I think. Not in terms of it's not going to put us in any danger or anything, but we'd had a, a tricky Christmas period um, and obviously a lot of injuries. So to get a performance like that and a win, um, let alone not against Liverpool, but to add Liverpool into the equation and go and beat them. Um, it was just unbelievable. I can't remember a Southampton game. I stood that close to the TV for the last 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. It was absolute carnage. I was kicking every ball, heading every ball. Um, I'm so thankful that they took that corner short in the last minute of the game. Oh, yeah. God knows why they'd done that, but I was happy as soon as they did. It was full time. Um, I think it was it was one of those where I was always worried about them getting one really clear-cut chance and and you you could see if they scored one then it maybe have ended in a Liverpool win. Um, but when Mane missed that one-on-one, that slight one-on-one chance where he made contact with the ground before the ball, that's when I kind of knew or thought that this could be our day um, and, and what a win. It's always so special to beat Liverpool, isn't it, given our history? So, so special. It is probably the game that I want to win the most <laughs> in the Premier League it's it, when you play against Liverpool we've obviously got a lot of friends that do support Liverpool and it does mean a lot it, to get a win over them considering yeah. our history as you said but yeah chuffed with that I'm so happy um, <clears throat> and I think the fact that we ended with so many academy players on the on the pitch as well there was quite a lot of chat that week wasn't there about what the Burnley um, is it the chief executive of Burnley said yeah. about our academy um, yeah. and about how it's all going on it was so nice just to kind of see as many players was it five in the end or five or six that we ended the game with yeah I think something I think like was, that I think it was five and then it was eight of our nine subs wasn't it mm, yeah and it was just nice to see and it actually made me really excited and looking forward to this Shrewsbury game that was supposed to be today because obviously there would have been a lot of changes would have been a lot of academy players playing out there and it would have been good to get a real good sense of how good they were um, yeah. but I personally just a little shout out on the Liverpool game I thought Diallo was absolutely outstanding I think we've got a player on our hands yeah, we spoke about him, didn't we, Pat? He mm. was man of the match for us, yeah. without doubt. Yeah. Jack, I know you wanted. You've got a quick one final, one final thing before we finish. Uh, a question from Twitter. Yeah, a quick question from Twitter from Daniel Lewis. I just thought it was quite interesting to get your thoughts on it. He's put. What, wonder what you guys think of Josh Sims. Personally, I thought he had a lot something to offer. Always looked energetic, energetic and direct like to take players on. I felt that Ralph could have really worked to make him attacking threat for this team. Why has he not progressed? What are your thoughts on Josh Sims? Uh, I, mean, I mean, for me, I don't think we necessarily saw enough of him to make a firm judgment. But from what I did see, I don't think he quite had the quality 
to make a consistent impact in our in our team. I think the position that he's playing is our squad doesn't have great depth, but the position that he plays is one that does have a, a quite a bit of depth. You're looking at Redmond, Gineppo, and then you've got now starters being Walcott and Armstrong. There's a lot mm-hmm. of depth there that Josh Shims would have to have to get past to even really get a look in. I think he, he flashed glimpses of, of ability, but this might sound harsh, but I, I kind of saw more of a championship standard player in him than a Premier League one, just from just from the limited action that we saw him in. Maybe he'll go on to prove me wrong um, and play at Premier League level, but for me, it was always kind of a, a League One championship sort of player there. And I just think Ralph probably looked at it, looked at the formation that he plays, the 4-2-2-2. Sims can play in that attacking midfield position, but I think was more used to probably playing it out wide. And our wingers don't really do that or our attacking midfielders don't really go wide. They tuck in quite narrow. We get the width, the width from fullbacks. He's now on He's on loan at Doncaster. I think he's injured at the moment. But this is going to sound harsh again. I just feel like that's more his level than Saints' yeah. main yeah. stone. Yeah, definitely. I think if, if he was going to push on and make a real stake um, for a place, a permanent place in the squad after that Tottenham game where we came back to win it a couple of seasons ago, um, I think James Will Prowse scored a winning free kick, didn't he? Um, yeah. Josh Shins came on at half time and, and played really well, to be fair to him that day. But I think if he was going to make a real impact after that good performance, that would have been the time he probably would have stayed um, and got a few more appearances. And you'd like to have think that they've had enough look looks at him behind the scenes where it's just obviously not not one of those ones that, that's going to play out. He's probably a difficult age, really, isn't he? Because he's he's on that kind of needs to be established somewhere. Yeah. He's part he's past being really young and coming coming up through the ranks. Um, so look, I I agree with you. I think championships probably where he's going to find his football. Just to give before before I go to you, Jack, just to give an update on on him. So yeah, he's 23. He's on loan at Doncaster. That runs out next month. Um, and the r- report in the Doncaster Free Press was stating that they're very keen to to um, to sign him permanently. He's been playing well by all accounts. There, um, six assists and three goals in his last 12 appearances for them. So he's contributing a lot to that team. And, and they go on to say that they've, he's attracted attention of, of several clubs, mainly in the Championship, but also in the Premier League, which is interesting. Doesn't name those teams. His contract at Saints expires at the end of the season. So if we were to sell him and maybe recoup a little bit of money, it'd have to be this month. Otherwise, we'll be losing him for, for nothing at the end of the season. Um, but th- that's the state of play at the moment. Jack, just did you want to chip in with your thoughts on Josh Sims? Just echo what you guys say. I think he's you can have an, you can have looks at him behind the scenes, and I trust Ralph in the back himself opinion that he probably hasn't done enough to break into the first team. And he's had a few loan spells: Reading, New York Red Bulls, and Doncaster. And like you said, they're playing quite well at Doncaster, but I don't think that's that's enough to warrant a place in the Premier League or a place in the bench of the Premier League. You play, with all due respect, it is a it is a massive gulf in class between these two divisions. So. I think there is a player there, a very good player there, but I agree with you, championship is his level. Agreed. Okay. Um, Well, gents, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next after the Leicester game. um, And 
we'll, it remains to be seen when the Shrewsbury game is whether it goes ahead or not but we'll catch up next week nice one guys cheers lads up the Saints up the Saints up the Saints